Yeah! Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. My name's Tom, and it is time for Children's Church. So if you can pass for a child, you can escape from what awaits you uh, down here. Um, just head upstairs if you're, if you're ready to do that. I am stoked. I'm so glad you came out this morning. I know you had a lot of choices, but we're going to have a great morning. We are in the midst of an exciting series called Meant to Be. And this morning, we're talking about you can beat temptation. You can beat temptation. And that is great news for people like me, for people like you. Look, temptation usually almost all the time, is offering us something that looks good at the moment, right? It looks good at the time, but it's going to end badly, right? You just can't see it at the moment. It looks good. It's going to end badly. So so that you can better picture what we're talking about, I have collected some pictures so that you can see what this might look like. Let's take a look at a few. Oh, nothing better than licking the beaters when you're a kid. But this girl is one step away from remembering why they call them beat hers. Next. Oh, some people, some people like snakeskin boots. Johnny's going to get a snakeskin morph suit. Next. Rub-a-dub dat, three men go splat. Bromance can be painful. Next. Just look at that. How are you going to explain this at the ER? How are you going to do it? Next. I, I got no words. I got no words. Next. They say that cats are smarter than dogs. I'm not so sure. It's about the rain kitty. Next. Oh, my friend, your eyes are not what you should be covering. Next, take a look. Which man would you rather be? Both of them are going to have a very bad day. Next, and finally, we want to keep you from having this shirt be your life motto. Operation, this will likely end badly as a go. No, we don't want that. Let's bring the lights up. Let's take that down. Now, you and I may never be tempted, please God, never be tempted to do anything that stupid, right? But you and I, no matter who we are, no matter what circles we run in, we can relate to something that looks good at the moment, but is going to end very, very badly. Now, This is for all of us because regardless of what you believe or don't about the Bible, about God, about church, I would bet that these two things are true of you just like they're true of me. Let's take a look. Number one, that what stands between the life you have and the life you want is in large part how you respond to temptation. And number two, this is true, that when you have yielded to temptation, whatever that looks like for you, has led you to the deepest regrets of your life. And that's true for all of us, no matter what we believe. That's true for me. And so we're all in the same boat. This is for all of us. If you have your Bibles, we open them to Luke chapter 4. 
Luke chapter 4, meant to be, is, uh, is a series where we kind of walk with Jesus through all of this and we're, we're, we're learning a lot and seeing him in different ways. So uh, that's Luke chapter 4. If you want to use a Bible and you don't have one with you, check under one of the seats in front of you. Um, if you find a brown hardback Bible there, you want to p- turn to page 975, 975. Hey, if you don't own a Bible or, or you don't own one that's easy to read, you do now. Take that one home with you. It's our gift. We, we're delighted. We got more. We're delighted for you to keep that. Um, if you have the free Version Bible app on your smartphone that the, Seattle, uh, that the Seahawks and the Patriots were talking about, um, boot that up and quiet it down. We got everything loaded on there for you, including that video, all the, the pictures we were laughing at, all the verses we're going to look at today, and a place for you to take your own notes. So, and we got a question for you to respond to in just a second. Beating temptation, as we said, is helpful whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not. No matter what we believe, because beating temptation is really about more joy and less regret. More joy and less regret. Now, I don't know anybody who can't link into that. And you can beat temptation. And I just want everybody to breathe in, breathe in real deep. And let it go. Relax. Why? Because I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning. Not beat you up. This is good news. That we can beat temptation. That no matter where. Look, this is about you and I. Hearing this and and getting this resource and these resources in this perspective and going on from here where we go from here and we can live differently. We can live better. This isn't about what you did last night or what you did last week or what you did last year or what you've done your whole life. This is about from here on out. And so you can, you can rest and you can relax and let's just look forward together. Let's start by hearing from you. Here's our live event question. So if you have, uh, if you have that booted up, here's the question. Here's the question. What temptation is causing you the most problems in your life right now? What temptation is causing you the most problems in your life right now? Now, um, the beautiful thing about this is it's completely anonymous. We can't trace it back to you. We wouldn't even try. It doesn't display up here. They can't tell. Just be honest. What temptation is it? Just as concisely as if you don't have the version app, just play along in your head. What is that one thing? Or maybe it's a couple of things. It's causing you the most trouble. Lock in your answers on that. Submit them. And let's take a look what we got. Okay. We got porn. And we got filling my time with everything else but God. Um, let's refresh it and see if we, if we get a few more. Okay, there we go. Wanting to help everyone 24-7. Okay. Physical contact with the opposite sex. Drinking and looks like that's cursing. Yeah. TV, too much. Um, marijuana. Channing. Channing. Okay. Is that Channing Tatum? That I, no, I, no, I don't know who you are, but whatever that is, um, that's, that's okay. That, um, we try not to use proper names here, so, but that's good. It's good to know. But if you bring that down, look, whatever that is for you, whether you keyed it in or not, keep that in mind. 
and apply everything we're going to talk about to that thing. Okay, because you can. Because you can. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Jesus being tempted by Satan. Now, um, whenever you bring that word up, Satan, the devil, um, people have different feelings. Look, it doesn't matter to me today, um, really, whether you believe in an actual Satan or a devil. That does not um, really, that's not what we're talking about. But this is a story we're looking at uh, from Scripture that happened to Jesus. And, and the, the important thing today for you to think about is that Satan is Jesus' enemy. And temptation is your enemy, right? And so the way that he deals with it and the way that he wins um, matters. Um, and that's what we're going to take a look. So uh, Luke 4, let's take it from the top, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. That's like the area around the Jordan River where he was being baptized. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Okay, let's hit pause right there. Um, 40 days. Be, now there's good news there. And you may not have seen it. So, so we need to get this. Being tempted doesn't mean you're a bad person. Being tempted doesn't mean you're an extra sinful person. Why? Because Jesus was tempted. You're not a bad person if you get tempted. You're just human. You're just human. Now, how we respond to that temptation, that's what matters. And that's what can either make it a great victory that gives us more strength to face other temptations or a loss that, that kind of weakens us and makes us more vulnerable. So let's see how it went down for Jesus. Second half of verse 2. And Jesus ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Hungry. Ah, that's the understatement of the century. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. I get hungry every 40 minutes. <laughs> if I ever stop the message abruptly, it's because I'm hungry. He didn't eat for 40 days. And so he was physically weakened. He was physically weakened. And what we've just covered has showed us two things that are, that are very important. And that is the two times when temptation is likely to come to your life. When temptation is most likely to knock on your door. And it's good to know so that we can get our guard up, so that we can be strong. Right? So there's two times. And, and the first we see is this. The first time that temptation is likely to knock on your door is following a time of great blessing. Now, just from what we've read um, this morning, that may not make a lot of sense to you. But if you were with us the last time uh, that we were in chapter 3, well, you know that Jesus just experienced the greatest blessing, the greatest endorsement from his Father, the God the father of the universe, right? Jesus, in chapter 3, right before this happens, is being baptized and he comes up and he's praying and, and it says that God the Father rips open heaven and then pours the Holy Spirit in bodily form down on Jesus and then gives Jesus the most beautiful, awesome shout out ever. He says loud and proud, this is my son and I love him. 
and I couldn't be any more proud of him, right? That is the great blessing. That is the great endorsement. And then comes the temptation. So we see that following a time of great blessing is often when we can let our guards down, but it's often when temptation will come. And we need to be extra vigilant. Now, what might that look like for you and for me? We might be on top of the world. We might have just made a move in our life. We might have just made a change in our life that it just feels really good. It, maybe you've gotten something that you've worked hard or prayed hard for, and, and there's just a breakthrough. Or it might be that you just got a relationship. You got the boyfriend or the girlfriend that you've been longing for. Uh, you have a big athletic or academic or job win, right? Maybe, maybe it is jobs. Maybe you just got promoted or you got a raise or you got a new job or you got a new city or you got new hope somewhere. Or maybe you just had a baby or one of your kids has done something really cool and you're just stoked. It's a great blessing. Maybe you're on top of the world because you just had a spiritual breakthrough. You just came to Christ. You just got saved. You, the thing you knew up here, you now know here and you know a person, not just facts. You know Jesus, and maybe you just got baptized, but whatever that, or you had some kind of mountaintop experience, whatever that is, the joy of that can often cause you and me to let our guards down about temptation. Don't do that. Don't do that because we know from this, we know from what happened to Jesus that after a time of great blessing, that's a time when we need to be extra vigilant because what you just experienced, what that thing is, is a good thing. It's a God thing. And the one thing that your enemy wants to do more than anything is, is either steal or taint. Right? Ruin your good thing, your God thing. So after a great blessing, even though you and I are tempted to let our guards down, it's then that we need to be extra vigilant. Number two, another time is when you're vulnerable or weak. I mean, Jesus hadn't eaten in, in like seven, how many, five weeks. I just did that math in my head. Yeah, I know you're pretty impressed. Five times, I'm 30 and five, five. Uh, yeah, well, um, if you're a typical Western student or you're a high school student or, or, or middle school student, you spend a lot of your life physically and mentally and emotionally exhausted. And that's pronounced vulnerable. It is. It is. And so you and I need to keep an account of where our tanks are. We need to know when we're weak in a certain area, when we're vulnerable in a certain area. That doesn't just mean physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, sexually. We just need to know because when we're weak and when we're vulnerable, that's when the enemy loves to come. At the end of this passage, we're going to see next week, he says he waited for an opportune time to come back to Jesus. He's always looking. He's always looking for when we're vulnerable. Let me just say this to, to a few of my friends. If, if you were thinking about binge drinking, let's just pick that out. You are not only vulnerable, you might as well paint a target on your forehead for temptation because you're toast. I know of which I speak. I know of which I speak. 
You and I don't want to make ourselves vulnerable, which leads us to this. Some people and some places and some situations that you enjoy make you vulnerable and weak. And here's the thing. You already know this. You already know the people and the places and the situations which make you vulnerable or weak. So what are we supposed to do about that practically? Well, we're going to take a look at that in just a couple of minutes. But let's see what Jesus did. Okay, verse 3. Moving on. The devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Now, Um, Both Jesus and Satan knew how this verse that Jesus was quoting ends. And many of you do too. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he said, God is more important than me eating. But it doesn't seem like a big deal, does it? It doesn't seem like there's much at stake. I mean, Jesus is hungry and, and, and Satan is saying, you're hungry, make it end. Right? You got it. Here's a stone. Poof. Make it bread. Eat it. No big deal, right? Except it is a very big deal. Why? Because Jesus had committed, had devoted to his father, to God the Father, that he would not eat until this time of testing was passed. So is eating bread A bad thing. Absolutely not. But eating it then, or eating it that way, would have been. And Jesus was saying, my relationship, my love relationship with my Father is so much more precious to me than any craving that I might have. And I am going to choose to satisfy my greater craving of pleasing Him than that temporary craving of pleasing me. And that, if, if you're a Jesus follower here, that's what you and I have to wrestle with. That's the question that we always have to answer in temptation. And that is this. Is this craving more important than God is to me? Is it more important in this moment that I please myself or that I please him. And, and if you've been walking in the faith for a little while, then you know that you don't just crush a craving, right? The way God does it is he replaces it with a stronger one. We don't just take a desire and say, I don't have that desire, whatever that desire is for you. The way he conquers that is to give us a so much stronger desire for something better. And that something better is him. So, what does that look like if, if you're not a Christian, if, uh, but for all of us? What does that look like? Um, let's take a look. A very common strategy of the enemy is to take a good thing, take a good thing and try to get us to do it in a bad way or at the wrong time. To take a good thing and try to get us to satisfy that good desire in a wrong way or at the wrong time. And, and you and I can can relate to that. It might be a desire for sex or love or affection or acceptance or food or drink 
or joy or escape or rest or comfort or affirmation. Now, every one of these things is a good thing. It's a good thing unless our craving for that thing is so strong that we want to satisfy it in a wrong way or at the wrong time. What does that look like? What might that look like? Maybe you crave acceptance. So the temptation for you is to do whatever your peers or this group that you want to accept, accept you. If that's you, there's hope for you. Maybe you crave intimacy. So there's a temptation to hook up or go farther than you should or look at porn. There's hope for you. Maybe you crave something material. That's good, like a car or a truck or clothing or a trip or, or technology, whatever that is. And there's the temptation because you don't have the money. There's the temptation to get it now and rack up credit card debt, which will choke you. There is hope for you. Maybe you crave being successful in school or business and there's the temptation to cheat or take a shortcut. There's hope for you. Maybe you crave deep satisfaction. Deep satisfaction that you can't find. And the temptation is to seek that in food, which I can relate to. Or alcohol or drugs. There is hope for you. Maybe the craving for you is you crave recreation or hanging out at a time when you should be working or studying. And the temptation is to procrastinate. There's hope for you. Maybe you crave security. You crave security and the temptation is to find that in more money, more stuff. There's hope for you. Maybe you crave another ski day or something adventurous to do, even though you feel like your relationship with God is starting to slip and you don't like that. And the temptation is to to skip prayer, to skip your devotion time, to skip life group, to skip Sunday morning. And there's hope for you. There is hope for you. Now, this is what Jesus is pointing to. None of these are wrong cravings, but we're tempted to satisfy them in bad ways or at bad times. And when we do that, when we do that, our cravings are at war with what we want the most. And here's how I put it. You can have the great life you want or... You can have what you crave whenever you crave it, but not both. That's what's at stake for you and me. Even if they're good things, even if they're good things, we can't be driven by our cravings or our cravings get the best of us. Andy Stanley just cut through all of it and put it this way. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment because God is placing that desire in you that what you want most is is not just for right now. It's for forever, right? Don't trade that for what you want in the moment. But sometimes, if you're honest, just like me, some of our cravings aren't for good things. They're not for healthy things. I mean, I know me. And they're not for good things, but we can still, we can still win against temptation. We can still beat temptation. If we'll just do this, if we'll just do this, decide to not do things that will make 
us feel good now, but will make you feel bad later and longer. I mean, that just makes sense, right? Whether you're a church person or not, this just on a, a total level, decide not to do things that'll make you feel good now, but will make you feel bad later and longer. And it just makes sense. And, and, and we can see this in, in a lot of ways. Um, we can see this in, in, in like alcohol or, or drug abuse. Short-term pleasure, no doubt. Short-term pleasure, long-term pain. Or, or you know, um, if, if, if we you know, want to hook up or, or something like that. Short-term pleasure, long-term Maybe lifelong pain and shame. And, and it's not worth it. Short-term pleasure is never worth long-term pain. And that's the crux of, of knowing and seeing temptation for what it is. That my joy and my pleasure right here in this moment isn't worth the price of what I'm going to be left with. And lots of friendships and lots of marriages and lots of relationships and businesses, and neighborhoods, and everything you want have crumbled because people couldn't see this, couldn't see this. But God wants us to see this. Temptations that you and I tend to yield to. And I I don't want you to, I'm not trying to out you. Just think about the temptations that you're likely to yield to. They reveal an awful lot about what we really want. And we can see this um, in children too. Um, I'll tell a story about my other child, Tommy, because he's not here. Amen to that. Um, when he was, I think it was in eighth grade, uh, my mom lives in Radford, Virginia, uh, and she teaches at Radford University. There, teaches nursing. So when he was in eighth grade, uh, we made a trip out there to see grandma. And uh, whenever we, like when he started to get that age and Quince was that age, we decided that whenever we would take a family trip to a, a different city, because they had grown up in, in, in Gunnison, the only college campus they were familiar with was Western. And it's beautiful and awesome and incredible. And, and I'm all about it. Western is... I just wanted them to, to see what, that, that there's different kinds of campuses. So we had, we had a good time doing that. And we did that during this trip out to see my mom. So we met her on her campus at Radford University um, for lunch that, this one particular day. And we walked around and, and saw it. And, it. and it's intimate and it's small and the buildings are understated. But, but there's a sense of real community and, and we experienced that. But Virginia Tech is... Um, quite different. And it's only about 10 or 15 miles away. So um, we went there that evening and, and the sun is setting and we just kind of drove around, walked around. It couldn't be any more different because it's huge. It's huge and it, it's beautiful, but in a different kind of way. Um, huge buildings made of stone, you know, the old and, and the ivy covered walls and tons, tons of people. So um, we go home and we have dinner and Tommy and I are sitting around after dinner at the table, just the two of us eating cookies. That's not the point of the story. It wasn't a temptation thing. Um, but I'm, I'm seeing this as a potentially teachable moment with my boy, right? So eighth grader, and I'm saying, Tommy, 
You just had two very different experiences today, Radford and Virginia Tech, right? So knowing you, knowing yourself, and knowing what you want for your future, as much as you do right now, if you had to choose between the two to attend one or the other, which one would it be? And, and I was pleased because he looked very thoughtful, you know, he's thinking, and he looks up at me and goes, Dad, uh, Virginia Tech, definitely Virginia Tech. I said, really, buddy? Um, you know, not, I'm not saying that's not, not good. I'm just saying, why is that? What, what prompted you to want that? And he goes, Dad, it's because the girls were hot. <laughs> yeah. Good talk. Good talk, son. In, that's just an example of what you and I face. All the time. The things that will pull us away. Show us a lot of what it means. What, what means the most to us. So here's what we'll do. We'll do like three ways of how to beat this craving kind of temptation. And then we'll eat supper. And then you can go. Okay, so we'll do um, three ways that you can beat this craving type of temptation. Number one. Guard your thoughts. The battle is won or lost in your head. It is. So win here. And this is what Romans tells us. Paul, the apostle Paul writes this, for those who live according to the flesh, according to our desires, our cravings, set their minds on the things of the flesh, our desires, our cravings. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. We get a different kind of craving, a more powerful craving, a craving for God and his joy and his freedom and his life. That crowds out those other things. For the set, for to set the mind on the flesh or our desires is what? Death. Death. But to set the mind on the spirit, on God, is life and peace and joy and freedom and the life you really want for the longest and the best. That's what it says. Guard your thoughts. Temptation is nearly always presented to our minds first before we actually have the chance to do this thing or not do it. And here's the thing, what you or I do with it when it's here almost guarantees what we will do with it when it's here. And we actually have the opportunity. There's almost a one-to-one correlation. Whatever you do with the temptation when it's only in your head almost guarantees what you're going to do with it when you actually have the opportunity. And that should scare the pants off of some of us. Right? Because we have some really whacked out um, thoughts. Whether that's a, a bitter thought or an angry thought or, or an action or a negative feeling or conversations. I know because I drive by you and I do this too. Like conversations when you're driving alone in the car, right? With the person who's not there, but that you really want to tell off. Like, come on, get your hands up. Done it? You've all done it. And some of you just lied, right? Look, the way we handle that in our minds almost guarantees the way we're going to handle it when it actually comes up. So don't let those, 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 those seeds of negative or accusing or um, lustful or whatever kind of thought that is, it gives you a problem. When you have those thoughts, you and I have a tool. Um, this, this verse can be distilled into this prayer that I'm going to give you that I say. 
when I get, God, please take this thought from my mind and replace it with thoughts of you. Can you, can you say that with me? God, please take this thought from my mind and replace it with thoughts of you. Okay, this is in the language, your native tongue. Okay, so can you, can you say it with me like you believe it? Okay, God, please take this thought from my mind and replace it with thoughts of you. Thank you. That was zealous. That was great. Oh, and even though you may need to, if you think dangerous thoughts that you need to avoid, you could pray this a thousand times a day. God, please take this thought from my mind and replace it with thoughts of you. God, please take this. You may not be able to hold a normal conversation because you're always praying, God, please take this thought. That's okay. That's okay. God, please take this thought. What'd you say? Oh, you're hot. Oh, please take this thought from my mind. Right? Okay. Look. You do this. Every time you put it down, it gets better. It gets easier. You're going to be sailing over things that used to bog you down. Even if you have to say this a thousand times a day, say it. You can talk later after you have victory, right? Number two, the way to get victory, avoid. Take a look at this because it applies. Avoid playing in the stadiums where you never win. If you're a Denver Bronco, that means you never go to New England. Ever. <laughs> Same thing goes for you. Avoid playing in stadiums where you never win. This is back to what we were talking about. There are people, there are places, and there are situations, and you and I already know what they are, where we never win. Don't play there. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. Whoever walks with the wise, with wise people in wise places, just like becomes wise. But the companion of fools gets hurt, gets hurt. That's about people and places and situations that make you weak and make you vulnerable where you don't have a good track record. I'm not beating them up. I'm just saying right now for you, don't do that. Don't go there. I have some friends that have like been in jail, been in prison and, and done time. And do you know that one of the most accurate determiners of whether a person is going to get released and then go back to jail is whether or not they go back to the same people and places and situations that got them there in the first place. You're a law enforcement. Is that true? It is. And the same is true for you and me. The same is true for you and me. If we don't take stock of those stadiums where we don't have a record of winning, if we don't avoid them and we keep going to the same people in the same places in the same situations, we're going to have the same life and we're going to fall for the same temptations. So don't do that. Avoid playing in stadiums where you never win. And that also means don't put yourself in a position where you need to have your A game in order to survive. Plan your life so that you don't have to be on your A game spiritually or morally in order to win. Because here's the thing. Neither you, nor me, nor Billy Graham, nor Lady Gaga is ever going to have their A game all the time. What does that look like? Well, 
Um, just to make my daughter throw up in her mouth a little bit. Um, when her mother and I were dating in high school, uh, we dated for... All right, stop. Um, we dated in high school and throughout college, like five years. And I was strongly attracted to my hot wife. And believe it or not, the feelings were mutual. I looked different at the time. And, and, and yet... It was important to us um, to to try to to wait until our wedding night, and so this was very difficult. And and willpower was not the problem. I needed won't power. You know what I'm saying? I had plenty of will. Some of you can relate to that. I had to arrange my life in a way that I did not have to have my A-game on because I wasn't going to have it. <laughs> now, some of you, and because this is, has more college kids, I just, I just, yeah, just want to plead with you that if, if this is important to you or if you want to like, make a new start and make this important to you, then I just want to encourage you, arrange your life for a way that you don't have to have your A-game because you're not going to always have it. What might that look like? It might mean, like, do you still like group date or double date? That No, nobody does that. Double date. Well, you might go out with other people with you. It got to the point where we couldn't be alone in private, right? If we're going to be alone, you've got to be in public, okay? That might mean that you're not alone together, in each other's apartment or bedroom. You're like, Tom, are you, are you crazy? I live in the dorm. My apartment is my bedroom. <laughs> well, maybe you can't be alone there. I know that sounds crazy. And you don't have to do it. I'm just saying that you, when you figure out what it is you want, it's smart to just arrange your life so that you don't have to have your A game. What, what does that look like for me now that I'm older? Well, if you travel for work or alone, I travel a, a lot, uh, often alone when she can't come for my job at Western. And what that means for me now is that when I'm done with my job, whether it's a meeting or uh, uh, a visit or a dinner, you go back to the room alone and you lock the door and you stay there. You don't go out. You don't go to the lounge. You don't go to the bar. You don't go down. You don't. You can get ice. That's loud. You can get ice, you know, (laughs) because ice is good. Is that necessary? Maybe not for you. But if I do that, I don't need my A game. Right? I don't turn on the television. It's nine times out of ten, or maybe even more, wouldn't be a problem. But I don't want to rely on the fact that I need my A game for that one out of ten. I don't watch TV when I'm alone. Because that guarantees I don't need my A game to not watch something I would want to watch with my wife. Or if you're single with your mom. And I'm not saying you have to do these things. I'm just saying whatever that thing is for you, Whatever 
God is putting in you and you want it, arrange your life so that you don't have to have your A game because you won't. None of us do. Plan to win. Don't play in stadiums where you don't. The third last thing is this, jaw. You can remember that. Zaphorism. Or I don't know what that is, but it's when you take the first letter, you put them all together. Jesus always wins. Look, just everybody dial in because you're almost done. And if you forget every single thing that we talked about this morning, remember this. Jesus always wins. Jesus always wins. So cling to him. Abide in him. Make him your refuge. When you're in temptation and when you're not. Hebrews 4.15 says this. We don't have a high priest. We don't have a Jesus who, who do, unable to sympathize, who can't relate to our weaknesses, to our temptations, but one who in every respect, in every way, has been tempted just as we are, yet without sin. But he doesn't use that to look down on us. He uses that to lift us up to lift us up because Jesus understands. Jesus has gone through it. Jesus, whether you're a guy or a, or a woman, Jesus is the only one who will ever 100% get you, understand you. Why? Because he made you and he loves you and he's walked with you. In fact, in his earthly life, he walked through every temptation that you will ever face, have face now or ever will face and he is willing to do it again in you victoriously and scripture says he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to resist but within the temptation he will also give you a means of escape and his heart and his protection and his overwhelming love for you and that overwhelming craving that will often be your means of escape and some of you some of you I know are struggling with this um, <clears throat> because you're thinking this. I would love that future that he talks about. But I have blown it in the past. And I am damaged goods. Because I've blown it in the past. What difference does it make? If I blow it again in the future, all, oh, it makes a huge difference. But, but, but in a beautiful way, it makes a huge difference. What if you didn't have that record? What if you never blew it? What if you never had that stain? You never had that guilt. You never had that shame. What if you could start again with an absolutely clean slate? Would that change how you felt because that exactly is the good news. That exactly is the good news. Jesus offers you that. That is the way you and I get that clean slate. He, now let let me tell you how this all happened. With Jesus always winning. He won for you. In fact, Jesus won for you in such dramatic fashion that he came for you. On a rescue mission. And Jesus went and, and experienced every temptation that you or I have ever experienced and wrestled with. Our experience or ever will. But without sin. But 
then Jesus goes to the cross and dies the death for our sins as our substitute in our place for our forgiveness as if he had been guilty of falling and and succumbing to and, and indulging in every one of these temptations that you have faced or are facing or ever will face so that by his body broken for you and for me, we might be made whole. And by his blood shed there for you and for me, we might be remade and it gets even better because he didn't just do this to deliver us from the punishment of sin or temptation that we give into. He does this. He rises again and he indwells us so that he can give us his power over the temptation of sin. He gives us that greater craving. That's what we celebrate here. The greater craving. No matter what your record, no matter what your temptation, no matter what you have fallen for, there's hope. There's hope. And it's in Christ. And you can beat temptation. No matter how strong it is. No matter how persistent it is. Because he's stronger. And he loves you. And he'll never let you go. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. You are so good. And we're so tired of being offered things that look good, but will end bad. You look great and you end even better. Thank you, Lord. There are friends here who do not know that they know that they know that that they belong to you. And Lord, you invite them that the distance between you and them is so close because you're here and your love is so great regardless. And if that's you and you just want to say, yes, Lord, I have, I known about you, but I'm ready to know you in my heart of hearts as much as I know anything. And just make this or something like it, your prayer, Lord Jesus, I believe, I believe that you died for my sins. Lord, come, come into my mind, come into my heart, come into my body. You, you be my rescuer. You be my hiding place. You be my Lord. You be my Savior. Lord, because I don't want to live that life that's just bouncing around from craving to craving. I want the best life, the blessed life in you. Lord, I... I ask you, make me yours. Lord, there are others here because we're all dealing with some kind of temptation and we we come before you in, in humility and repentance and we ask you, Lord, help us guard our thoughts. Help us to be wise. Lord, help us not to play in stadiums where we cannot win or we do not win. And Lord, help us to realize that you, Jesus, always win. And you won for us. Lord, um, particularly for those of us who deal with temptations of craving. Lord, we, we lay them before you. We ask you to give us an overwhelming, more powerful craving to love and serve and please you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, we are about to enjoy the Lord's Supper. It's a meal of symbols of um, Jesus' body broken and his blood shed. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered to him, if you've received him as your Lord, it doesn't matter um, if this is your first time in church. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist or Catholic or Presbyterian or whatever. If you belong to Jesus, then this meal is for you if he's your Lord. And just examine your heart and and you come when you're ready and celebrate all that he's done and all that he's doing and will do in your life because of his great love. Look, if you've yet to take that step, that's okay. Just wait. Don't come and celebrate the symbols until you've taken care of the substance, okay? And if you need help doing that, you want to receive Christ, you want to make sure that he's on the throne of your heart and your life, talk to one of us. You can pray with me. I'm going to be sitting on those back steps right there. And there'll be plenty of time for you to celebrate. In the meantime, let's do this. Because the past is gone and the future is bright. And you can beat temptation because he is victorious for you. I love you.